Hello, welcome to Straight Out of Sumner. Um, this is Kelly with the Sumner County Health Department. And today I have a very good, awesome guest with me. Um, as you know, August is National Breastfeeding Month. Um, it's a month to raise awareness and learn the benefits of breastfeeding. So today I have Melanie Ward and I'm gonna let her introduce herself. Hi, thanks Kelly for the invitation to speak about breastfeeding, one of my favorite topics. Um, yes, I am Melody Ward, and I am an International Board Certified Lactation Consultant. And I have worked with breastfeeding families for over 40 years in various capacities. I started my breastfeeding journey, I always say this, um, watching my mother breastfeed, my younger siblings. And I did breastfeed all three of my children, who are now adults, and I like to joke around and say they're still alive, I didn't kill anybody off by breastfeeding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I first became a La Leche League leader in 1983, and then um, I became an International Board Certified Lactation Consultant in 1991. Um, I have worked in various capacities. I used to work for uh, a WIC agency in Southeast Missouri for about five years. I've worked in hospitals, and I, for a short time here in Kansas, had a private practice. Um, most recently, um, I also was um, a member chair of uh, the Kansas Breastfeeding Coalition for a while and um, participated in other breastfeeding um, organizations um, previously when I lived in the Memphis area. So I most recently um, have retired from the um, Wesley Medical Center. I was um, an, uh, an educator in their family life education department. I taught, um, taught childbirth classes, breastfeeding classes, and a grandparenting class. So um, we taught in person, and then when, when uh, the pandemic hit, we switched to all virtual classes, and now Wesley offers both um, in-person and virtual classes. Wow. Well, that is a very impressive resume, and I do appreciate you coming on today and, um, and talking about breastfeeding with us. I think it will help our um, moms out there and caregivers um, to learn more. Okay. I, I'm sure there's something to learn um, talking today. So Thank you. Thanks, You're welcome. Kelly. Well, thank you. Okay, I think we'll jump right into kind of what August is. We'll talk about that. Okay, so yeah, August is um, National Breastfeeding Month, and... In August, I mean, yeah, in August, we have uh, weekly observances. So the first week is World Breastfeeding Week, which is August 1 through 7. Every year, it's always August 1 through 7. And the theme this year was enabling breastfeeding, making a difference for working parents. The second week um, is Indigenous Milk Medicine Week. Their theme that was August 8 through the 14th. The theme for them was the, From the Stars to a Sustainable Future. Week number three, August 15 through 21, was Asian, American, Native, Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander Breastfeeding Week. And that theme was telling our stories, elevating our voices. And this week is Black Breastfeeding Week. And the theme is We Outside Celebrate Connection in Our Communities. And new this year um, is going to be um, September 5 through 11. It's going to be uh, recognizing the, Lat the Latina community. Okay. So um, August 1st, Governor Kelly proclaimed August K-12 
Kansas Breastfeeding Month. And some of the um, issues surrounding that proclamation were is that exclusive breastfeeding for six months positively impacts the health of babies, families, and public health. Almost 90% of families set out to breastfeed in Kansas, yet less than one in three make it to the six month fully breastfeeding mark. Pump it, the Pump for Nursing Mothers Act was passed and signed into law by the president in December of 2022. So further protections would make it much easier for families to achieve the recommended breastfeeding for exclusively for six months and continue to a minimum of two years. Things such as universal paid maternity leave and insurance coverage for breastfeeding support. Nice. So we're working on those things. Um, the United States is one of only one or two other countries that doesn't have mandatory paid maternity leave. Wow. Yeah, if you ever Google that, it's amazing to see what other countries, what other accommodations that countries provide for their families. It's, we're kind of uh, behind the, yes, the curve it sounds there like just it. a little bit. Absolutely, and it's so hard for moms uh, to come back, I think. Um, so it they is, do need that time. Mm-hmm. Yes, that would be the ideal. Mm -hmm. That would be the ideal. One of the classes that I that I've taught for many years is uh, returning to work breastfeeding class, and surprisingly, it wasn't very well attended ever in all the years that I taught it. Wow. But I really felt like um, it's something that that moms really really need. I think a lot of times moms think that if they just get a breast pump and they look online, they can get all the information that they need. We're still finding that moms are still struggling. Yes, I agree with that. We just recently had a new mom deliver, and she's in that boat, I feel like. You know, there's, uh, you know, she's, we've had another mom, you know, that's, um, it's been really well for, you know, she, no troubles, and then, you know, she's, she's struggling a little bit, so I think, um, I think it's, it, I think it's both. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's really nice when it can, it can work seamlessly for you, but there are a lot of, it's very individual situations out there, individual jobs, uh, work environments can be very different from one one mother's um, place of employment to another. So it can present different challenges for different moms. For absolutely, sure. absolutely. Okay, so um, did you have anything you wanted to add more about um, Kansas or Governor Kelly or any? Um, let's see, I think that, um, yeah, the above accommodations are in place and or need to be put in place to make it easier for moms to continue to breastfeed after returning to work so that they can achieve their, their personal breastfeeding goals. So um, we could jump into, you know, one of the, the issues that moms want to know, like how do they make it go back, you know, how do they make it work going yes, back to work. Yes, yes. And like I said, I have a whole two-hour class <laughs> that outlines, you know, the, the, the steps and the process and how to prepare for going back to work and how to make it work once you're back at work. But some of the um, tips that, that can be helpful to get a mom started is to breastfeed exclusively, if, you know, if at all possible, for the first four to six weeks. I think it's important to note, Kelly, that breastfeeding is... We are biologically programmed to breastfeed. It's our, our biological norm. Um, in our society, it has not been the norm for quite a while. So we have a lot of ideas in our head that we're gonna have lots of obstacles and it's gonna be really hard 
to make this happen and um, sometimes moms hear from other people well it didn't work for me and you know all these different challenges but I think that it's a confidence game mm. and we need to to just if we can just um, start with that idea in mind is this is what our bodies are programmed to do and what our babies are programmed to do it can help give that confidence that this should really work mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. so exclusively breastfeeding in the first four to six weeks can really help get the body the message of how much milk to make for that baby okay and the baby does a better job of sending that message to the mother's body than uh, a pump can Okay. Avoiding bottles and pacifiers and formula during that first four to six weeks is also another good step in being able to be successful at continuing to breastfeed after they go back to work. And obtaining a quality electric double breast pump is another thing that's, that's helpful for moms. Um, making sure that it's a good quality pump and lactation consultants are around to help moms sort through all the different pumps that are out there to help them choose one that's probably going to be better at meeting their needs. Mm -hmm. And some insurances pay for breast pumps, is that correct? Yes, and that's another situation that can be can be good and not so good depending on what your insurance company provides. Sure. Sometimes they provide good quality pumps and sometimes they don't. Okay. So that's where a lactation professional can help a mom sort through all that and see, help her get something. And sometimes I give them a whole menu of pumps. Oh. And then they just have to go through and try to figure out which one they think is going to work for okay. them. Um, just as a little uh, aside, the um, hands-free wearable pumps are not usually a good choice. A lot of moms like the idea. It's really appealing. Uh -huh. But they just don't do a good job of establishing and maintaining a milk supply as a general rule okay. when they're used all the time. Good to know. And beginning to pump somewhere between four and six weeks after the birth of the baby is, a, is another tip. Um, also, having someone other than mother offer a bottle of express breast milk to the baby somewhere between four and eight weeks. I have found that's a window of opportunity that the baby is less likely to refuse the bottle and also less likely to refuse going back to the breast if it's handled this way. It seems like it works better sometime between four and eight weeks by someone other than mama, and it only needs to be once or twice a week in order for it to, for the baby to learn that they can get milk another way and not forget how to, sure. how to take it. Once it's started though, they should continue offering it somebody other than mom once or twice a week until mom actually returns back to work. Okay. All right, good information. Yeah. Okay. Uh, did you want to go over some um, just breastfeeding terms? Um, sure. Sure. That we um, you can tell us a little bit about. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Absolutely. So let's talk about letdown. Okay. So letdown is actually um, called the milk ejection reflex, and that happens when there is a release of oxytocin in the mother's bloodstream. And oxytocin is what we call the love hormone. It's secreted in the, into the bloodstream. Breast milk is made from the blood, not from their stomach contents. And the smell, the sight, the sound, and the, the touch of the baby can trigger the release of oxytocin, which helps to um, trigger the, the uh, milk ejection reflex. Okay. 
And then um, one mom has just, um, she had, a, uh, she didn't know, like, during the letdown, like, it, she felt like maybe her baby had choked or. Um, okay. Right. So sometimes women have a really forceful milk ejection reflex, and especially in young babies, you know, from, from birth till about three months, sometimes that fast, really sudden fast flow of milk can be too much for the baby to be able to take in and manage and suck, swallow, and breathe all at the same time without choking. So when that happens, oftentimes there's different te um, methods or strategies that you can use to try to overcome that. One is just to take the baby off, grab a, you know, a, a burp cloth or something and just let the milk flow into the diaper or the burp cloth or whatever until the, the milk ejection reflex slows down. Mm -hmm and then dry yourself off, dry the baby off, and put the baby back on. Okay. And usually the, the first one or two milk ejection reflex, you have multiple letdowns or milk ejection reflexes throughout a feeding, but usually the first one or two are gonna be the most forceful, usually. So after that first, the first one, usually babies can go ahead and get on and continue to feed without choking. So that's one strategy. Another strategy is, is feeding in what we call the laid back position. Mm. So mom is in a semi-reclining position and um, baby is kind of over above the breast. So gravity kind of slows the flow down um, and can help keep the baby from choking. So there's Makes different sense. little strategies yeah, that can awesome. be used. Good to know. Uh, what about hand expression? Hand expression is a very valuable skill for <laughs> all breastfeeding moms to learn and to master. Um, it can be used in a number of um, situations, and um, I think it's uh, something that far too often gets overlooked because we have, you know, machines that can actually yeah. extract milk from the breast or express milk from the breast. So, um, hand expression is something that is taught in a lot of hospitals after the baby is born before moms even go home. It can be used to just in the in the beginning. Um, when the milk volume starts to increase, usually around the third to the fifth day, if there's too much milk in there, in addition to extra blood and extra fluid, it may be hard for the baby to latch on and get a good comfortable latch for both mom and baby. So just hand expressing some of that milk off to soften up the breast can really help um, make it easier and more comfortable for mom and baby with latching. It also can be used after a feeding or between a feeding if mom is uncomfortably full and um, we want to make sure that we don't allow our breasts to get uncomfortably full and do nothing. So if a mom finds that one or both breasts after feeding is still uncomfortably full, she could hand express and take off just the amount of milk that it takes to relieve her discomfort. Okay. It also can be used in conjunction with pumping. So if moms are having um, difficulty obtaining enough milk during a pumping session and they're concerned they're not going to have enough milk for their, you know, for their baby if they're back at work, they can, they can hand express um, either midway through pumping or after pumping. And there's been a study that has shown that moms actually collect, can collect more milk with hand expression and combined with pumping than just pumping alone. Oh, okay. So and there are good, um, you know, good video clips on demonstrating how to hand express. Um, one I like is on YouTube. There's actually a couple, but 
one of the ones that I like that's on YouTube. If you just look it up, you just Google, or just I put it in the search box, um, hand expression. It's a, a lady with a blue shirt, blonde hair, and she uses a, a doll. And she does a really good job of explaining, um, oh, I'm sorry, I take that back. That's wrong. That's, that's paste bottle feeding. I lied. Wow. I lied. There's too many videos out there. Yeah. Yeah. But, but um, Google it, and you can find, uh, or go on face on um, YouTube, and you can find some good... Um, videos on demonstrating how to hand express. Okay, good. So there are resource, resources out there that you like to... Lots of resources, yeah. Okay, um, and what about colostrum? Okay, so colostrum is actually the first milk that babies get after birth. Women start producing colostrum usually around the fourth or the fifth month of pregnancy. It's very low in volume, but it's very high in immunities and antibodies. Um, it's like your baby's first immunization. And um, it, babies usually um, only get about um, a half a teaspoon to a teaspoon of colostrum each feeding in the first few days of life until the milk volume starts to increase and um, transition from colostrum to transitional milk and then the breast milk later changes to mature breast milk. But, but colostrum is extremely important for our babies. Uh, there's actually one um, antibody in particular that's highest in colostrum in the first 24 hours of the baby's life than it ever will be again the entire time mom's nursing that baby. Wow, isn't that amazing? Yeah, yeah. it is. It's, it's, it's really cool stuff. So a lot of times before the milk volume increases and moms are producing colostrum, sometimes they have difficulty expressing it they feel like there's really nothing there. They're just unsure that the baby's actually getting anything. And, and babies, babies are wanting to feed real, real frequently in the early days of life. So sometimes moms um, misinterpret that, that their milk hasn't come in or mm -hmm. the baby's getting nothing. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, what about cluster feeding? Cluster feeding can happen um, anytime during breastfeeding. And sometimes babies will, cluster feeding means when they're feeding back to back to back. Yeah. So generally during a feed, babies are gonna, the goal is for babies to take both breasts or to offer both breasts to the baby. And babies will usually complete their feed anywhere between 30 and 45 minutes per feeding. From the start of feeding um, to the end of the feeding, that's with a burp and a diaper change in between breasts, mm -hmm. okay? okay. So, um, and then when the babies typically will, their tummies empty out in about 90 minutes, we typically count the time between feedings from the beginning of one feeding to the beginning of the next. And on average, it's every one and a half to three hours from start to start. But then sometimes will, babies will, you know, seem like you've just finished feeding them and boom, they wanna feed again. And they may feed really, really frequently. So. Sometimes it can be in the evening, the later, the early evening hours when babies will cluster feed. When the milk volume is lower, but the fat con content is higher. We have to remember too, that breastfeeding is not just about the milk. It's also about meeting baby's emotional needs, which is equally as important as their need for food. So sometimes babies will feed real frequently if there's been an upset in their routine. Mm. 
if Aunt Tilly has come over to visit and she has stinky perfume on and jangly earrings and she wants to hold the baby and the baby's like, where's mama? I just want to get back to my mama. So they'll want to feed and get things back to normal because that's where, where babies feel they need to be is with mama. So cluster feeding can be normal. Um, it's not it's, it's, it's hard for sometimes moms to not think, oh my gosh, I'm losing my milk, mm-hmm. and, th- and start to give a bottle, and start to give formula. But if they usually just hang in there, and work, and just breastfeed through it, just kind of lay back and say, okay, this is just, you know, what I call, sometimes I call it uh, frequency feeding, or frequency days, mm-hmm. things like that, and just work through it. And also, keep track of their, what's coming out the bottom end. Mm-hmm. If they're still having plenty of wet and dirty diapers and feeding really, really often, then you still have to have milk, especially if they're not getting uh, nutrition from any other source. Mm. Good. Good to know. So it's usually just temporary. Yeah. Okay. Any other topics, hot topics? Um... Well, one thing that, um, that I wanted to um, talk about is skin to skin, the importance mm. of skin to skin. And I always like to have the opportunity to talk about that. Skin to skin is is not only crucial in the first hours, first moments, an hour or two of the baby's life, but also continuing frequent skin to skin um, after a baby is born, once you're back at home, for at least the first two to three months. You can do it as long as you want to, but skin to skin really helps with mom's milk supply. It helps um, moms and baby learn how to breastfeed. Um, it also helps to um, to hardwire baby's brain. Um, it 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 actually the research that's been done on skin to skin was done by um, Dr. Nils Bergman and his wife Jill Bergman, and they found they've been doing skin to skin research for for over thirty years, and they have followed their their first babies into adulthood, and one really cool discovery that they've made is that the babies who had skin to skin in the first hour or two of life were less likely to suffer with mental illness as adults. Mm. I find that to be very, very profound. So it's a great way to comfort your baby. If your baby's, you know, upset and you don't know what to do, you fed them, you change your diaper, you've checked for thread wrapped around their toe and a tag bother in the back of their neck and they still are upset strip them down to a diaper and get them skin to skin with either mom or dad and give them a few moments and let the magic happen and usually within a few moments they'll settle down they they may either go to sleep they may eat they may look around for a breast to try to latch on or they may just give you that beautiful quiet alert state where they look up into your into your face and you have that interaction with your baby. So it's a pretty awesome thing to do. Yes. Good. Yeah. And they start that at the hospital usually. Um yes. At least in this area they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And usually um within a few moments, just, you know, immediately after birth. Mm-hmm. That's what that's the ideal. Okay, awesome. Um one uh concern that sometimes moms have and they wouldn't notice this probably unless they were pumping, but that one breast produces more than the other. Mm-hmm. Research has proven to us that this is super normal okay. and not to worry about it. And sometimes there could be a big difference, but usually it's, you know, it's maybe just a matter of an ounce or, or two difference between one breast and the other. 
but um, yeah, research shows that it's just totally normal and um, nothing to really to really worry about. Women can actually completely nourish a baby just with one breast. Hmm. So the more you take out, the more your body puts back in. It gives the, that's that feedback and um, inhibitor of lactation. Actually, if you leave the milk in the breast too long, it tells the body, "Ooh, we don't need to make so much milk," and it slows down the process. But when they feed frequently and drain the breast well and and often, then that um, prolactin gives the message to the breast how much milk to make, and that works best. That's why it's so good to to exclusively breastfeed in the first four to six weeks so that your breast can get that message of how much milk to make. But again, the, it's totally normal yes. for it to be one to decide to produce more than the other. Okay. Okay, so, um, so sometimes women are, are, a lot of times women have difficulty latching. Yes. And there could be various reasons why that happens. Um, we find that, um, again, the importance of skin-to-skin -skin immediately after birth and allowing the baby to go to the breast when they say they're ready in that first hour of life is the best opportunity to try to prevent problems with latching and not forcing the baby onto the breast before they say they're ready. So skin-to-skin -skin helps to facilitate that. Um, also, to um, prevent problems with latching, we want to try to avoid the use of artificial nipples, pacifiers, and bottles in that first four to six weeks while babies are learning how to breastfeed. Babies, um, if, are, if they truly have um, an anatomical reason why they're having difficulty latching, we're finding uh, more and more that, I don't know why this is, but it seems like tongue tie is just a huge issue these days. And sometimes babies have a significant tongue tie. And um, if it's not been released, it can make it difficult for babies to latch on and to maintain the latch and for moms to get a comfortable latch. So in that process of, of getting that evaluated and that tongue tie released, there are other ways that babies can be fed other than a bottle. So they can be cup fed, they can be spoon fed, they can be dropper fed your own colostrum and later breast milk to help to avoid the potential um, nipple preference or nipple confusion by introducing an artificial nipple too early. But oftentimes that is the, the reason for the trouble latching. Okay, good to know. Okay. Um, okay, so another um, concern that um, can be um, an issue that has been brought up is nipple shield use. And that's a kind of a tricky one, nipple mm. shield use. Because again, that's an artificial nipple that's placed over the mother's breast, and um, it doesn't provide that that direct skin contact to the breast to have that that um, milk ejection reflex and all the the hormones that are released because of that. So sometimes it can lead to a decreased milk supply, but sometimes it's also necessary for babies, particularly preterm babies that are um, having difficulty maintaining a latch because they're small and weak and not, you know, don't have a really strong, good sucking reflex. So um, it's best to try not to use that as a first measure if you're having difficulty latching. It's best to get help from a qualified lactation professional first. And then if a, a nipple shield is recommended or used, 
it's best if it's used with the guidance of a lactation professional and hopefully to be able to get the baby off the nipple shield as soon as possible. But a lot of it just depends on what the reason for the use of the nipple shield is to sure. begin with. Okay, mm -hmm. all right. Okay, so um, yeah, another thing that, uh, that moms tend to um, hear a lot about is supplements that they can take to increase their milk supply. Yes. And boy, there's a bunch of stuff out there. <laughs> From drinking Gatorade, to eating oatmeal, to lactation cookies, and all this stuff. And we have to understand there's no magic pill that actually makes more milk. There's nothing out there that's gonna just magically make more milk. The whole process, the way the body makes milk, is the more milk that's taken out, the more milk that's put back in. The less milk you take out, the less milk that's put back in. So if we're not um, feeding the baby frequently enough and draining the breast, the baby's not draining the breast thoroughly enough at a feeding, that can cause a down regulation of the milk supply and can you know, have a negative effect on the mom's milk supply. Or if we're scheduling feeds or trying to encourage the baby to sleep too long overnight and go too long in between feedings, that can also have a negative effect on milk, mom's milk supply. However, sometimes supplements can be useful into um, helping increase a mom's milk supply. They just kind of like are um, like an aid, helps to jumpstart your milk supply, but they're not really intended to be used necessarily long term. So things like herbs. Um, a really good website is if you go to, to Dr. Jack Newman's website, breastfeedinginc.ca is his website. He has got really good information on the use of herbs for increasing a milk supply. But number one is you gotta make sure that you're getting a good latch and that your uh, baby's breastfeeding well, draining the breast well, breastfeeding frequently enough. And those are the like the, the things that you have to start off with is improving the latch. And then if supplements are needed, then um, that you know can be used in conjunction with that, but it's not going to automatically make things just improve overnight. Okay. Typically. Okay. All right. Any other concerns that you want to talk about? Bring up today. Um, well, I guess a couple of things is um, it was mentioned that um, sometimes moms feel too much pressure to breastfeed. Yes, I've heard that numerous times. Have you? Okay. Yes. So what what types of um, things have you heard? I honestly feel like it's just, um, you know, breastfeeding is is out there a lot. And of course the hospitals, um, you know, mom does her own research during pregnancy. Um, and then the hospital, you know, will ask them, are you breastfeeding or bottle feeding? And then, mm -hmm. you know, of course everybody says breastfeeding or I think a majority of moms mm -hmm. um, would like to breastfeed. Um, and so um, the hospital will, um, you know, breastfeed, breastfeed, breastfeed. And then if for some reason it doesn't end up working, I feel like the mom is shamed a little bit or, um, you know, like she feels like she's done something wrong. Mm -hmm. And I and I would love to know, um, you know, what can we do to n not have moms feel like that? You know, they're already emotional. They're new moms. Um things like that and if if it really can't work for them 
you know, I feel, I feel like they do have like this stigma or this, you know, pressure that they didn't end up breastfeeding. Right. And uh, there's so many variables in that whole situation. Yes. It could be, it's, well, it's good to know that, that breastfeeding works well. There's usually no anatomical or biological reason why a woman cannot breastfeed in 95% of the population. Okay. So sometimes there are other issues that factor into the mom's inability to breastfeed. Um, sometimes it, it could be unrealistic expectations of what breastfeeding really is. And caring for a newborn we know is 24-7. Yes. And um, there's a commitment that a mom has to make to um, actually take the time to sit down and nurse her baby. It's not like you can hand the baby off to somebody else, especially in the beginning while mom and baby are learning to breastfeed and getting their milk supply established. Um, um, so sometimes mom's expectations are unrealistic and it can make it hard for moms to, to um, make that commitment. But if that's what they're, if they're not capable of it, I don't really know what the answer to that is. Right. I think that it's important to respect each mother's situation and, and her individual um, goals as far as breastfeeding goes. Um, there are moms that, you know, really, really struggle and they work like way harder than, than you can even imagine just to even pro provide a little bit of breast milk to their baby. And even though if it's not 100% breast milk, they, they work really, really hard. So a lot of it has to do with personalities and so many, so many different variables mm -hmm. in there. So I, I, I guess the only thing I can say is just sit down and visit with the mom and find out where she is, where she's coming from, and then just, you know, try to encourage her, uh, respect her opinion and her decision, yes. and um, support her in the best way you possibly can. And um, again, here's another great thing that can help alleviate, I think, some of that no matter how you feed your baby, skin to skin is incredibly important for all the reasons I mentioned before, but also for the bonding. Mm -hmm. And uh, mom's partner can do skin to skin with baby as well. That really helps develop that relationship. So no matter how you feed your baby, skin to skin can be a wonderful way to have that connection to your baby. Yeah. So I guess I would just maybe encourage that okay. if, if mom's not really able to breastfeed or she's, you know, she doesn't feel like she can, mm -hmm. you know, whatever the situation is. Well, I, I'm glad you said that because I think, um, you know, there is a pressure to breastfeed and then um, she gets let down, the mother gets let down um, because she's not able to or, mm -hmm. um, and then, like I said, the little, the stigma around it. Um, yeah. I wish we didn't have that. Yeah. Well, and you know, that's really interesting. I've been doing this for quite a long time, and um, I think that um, I've seen breastfeeding evolve in our society and in our culture over the last 40-some-odd years. And it, it used to be that women were, were um, looked down upon who did breastfeed, that there was something wrong with them. So now the tide has changed, sure. and it's a, it's a reversal. So I don't know where you find that happy medium where right. everybody, you know, feels like they're being heard and respected and, and not pressured one way or the other. 
but I, I really um, think probably that my suggestion, you know, for a mom like that in that situation would be to really um, encourage skin to skin with her baby and maybe that would help her feel like she's not being less than mm -hmm. of a mom, you know what I mean? Right. She just created a miracle and, <laughs> you know, has a little hard feelings that she can't breastfeed. But oh, she's... yeah. I, I mean, I would be devastated. Yeah. I know. I know if, it, if it didn't work for me and, and you know, I, I know how I felt about it, I would certainly be just horribly devastated if it didn't work out for me. So I can, I can relate to that for sure. All right. Anything else that, on your topic list? Um... Well, I guess the only other thing is um, maybe just to, to point out the, the laws that are in place to protect mom's right to breastfeed in public, uh, breastfeed while they're at work. Okay. Actually, Kansas does have a breastfeeding, public breastfeeding law, and all the states now all have a public breastfeeding law, which makes it um, unlawful for anyone to ask a mother to cover up or leave or go to a restroom to breastfeed her baby if she's nursing her baby in public, as long as she is in a, in a place that she and her baby have a right to be in, okay? Sure. So that's that's good to know. The, um, the, the I call it the breastfeeding in the workplace law. It's a national one. We don't have a separate breastfeeding in the workplace law in the state of Kansas. Some states do, but we are not one of those. But we do have their national law. So um, the first one was, um, Oh gosh, I'm trying to think when that one went into effect. It's been in, into, in, in effect for quite a long time. And um, it was called Break Time for Nursing Mothers. And it's under the Fair Labor Standards Act. The newest one that was just signed into law in December of last year is called um, the, the, the Providing Urgent Maternal Protections, or PUMP, for Nursing Mothers Act. And it requires employers to provide reasonable break time for an employee to express milk for their nursing child and a place to pump at work other than a bathroom that is shielded from view and free from intrusion from co-workers and the public. And the first law um, actually stated the same thing, but it didn't cover as many um, moms in different employment situations. This one covers just about everybody now. so. Uh, before it just covered people who were hourly employees and um, now this this new pump act um, it uh, covers all the moms whether they're hourly or um, if they have uh, if they're working what is the word I want um, salaried salaried there okay. you go thank you <laughs> thank you so um, anyway the only <laughs> for some reason or other the only uh, profession that was excluded was airline employees and they're working on that. Wow. I know, isn't that weird? Yeah, why would you even exclude? They just, they didn't want to get on board with it, apparently. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, so everybody's covered under that. So, um, you can always reach out to the Kansas Breastfeeding Coalition if you're having any issues with um, your employer not providing you with time and a place um, to pump. Um, if, if you feel like that you know that's that accommodation is not being afforded to you and they can help work through that process maybe help educate your employer maybe let yes. them know what the what the law encompasses and so forth but um, you know that's just something I think moms have a right to know that's that's out there they have the right to 
to have that time and a place. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's about it that I can think of, Kelly. Is there anything else that you have on your list? I don't think so. Um, I, you know, we've went over things that um, I've heard kind of from our moms that have come in. Um, I do appreciate you coming in today. You have a wealth of knowledge. And you are going to be at our um, community baby shower on September 16th. We are doing that at Cali County um, Community College here in Wellington um, from 9 to noon. And Melanie's going to have a table there. Um, so stop by her table. Uh, she'll ha- she has a lot of information to give. So yep, I'd be happy to, to uh, answer any questions that you have. and and provide you with some information. So okay. it'll be my pleasure. Thanks so much for ha- asking me to do this, Kelly. Well, thank you it. very much. We appreciate it. Um, so uh, don't forget to like us on Facebook, and then also check out our website at www.sumnercountyhealthdepartment.org, and then also um, listen to Straight Out of Sumner on Spotify.